0: Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. We're going to be over here in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter number two. And if you're just joining with us, um, we've been going through the book of Philippians here and learning some uh, spiritual truths, is what. God's Word has been teaching us about um, about the church, about uh, what we need to be doing as, as believers in Christ. Remember, the, the whole idea here, the book of Philippians, is a book of joy, and um, Paul was writing this book while he was under house arrest, uh, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the church at Philippi sends Epaphroditus uh, to um Paul here with a financial gift. And the result of this letter is a thank you, uh, basically, that's being sent back to the Philippians uh, through Epaphroditus. And he's telling them, you know, hey, thank you for this, but here's some things that I want you to know. And we've already kind of gone through a lot of those things about uh, the things that Paul was going through. He says these things have been considered for uh, the advancement of the gospel. And he says, I don't want you to be worried about me. And uh, we talked about uh, uh, the example of humility and unity within the church. And he gave us that prime example of Christ, uh, how Christ uh, left the glories of heaven and came down to earth, took upon himself uh, the, uh, the, the form of a servant, became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. And so we have that great example of humility. And Paul says, I want you to have that same attitude amongst yourselves and even within the the body of Christ. And uh, as we looked at uh, a couple weeks ago, we we saw here in uh, Philippians chapter two, um, Paul gave himself as an example of humility. And he talked about uh, his example of of being that that drink offering that was poured out upon the uh, sacrificial offering. And uh, today we're going to look here, we're going to pick this up here about this other example of people who are joyful servants, and Paul is going to give us the example of both Timothy and Epaphroditus, and we're going to pick this up here, beginning here in verse number 19. And so again, what I'd like for you to take away from all of this is be a joyful servant by following the example of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Paul did. He followed Christ's example of humility, uh, being willing to put others first for themselves. But also, we're going to see this in the uh, lives of uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So, let's take notice here. Uh, first of all, I want you to see Timothy's example of the concern of others. And we're going to read here verses 19 through 24. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. What's awesome here, when when Paul was writing this letter back to the Philippian church, remember who's there with him. Timothy's there with him, and also Epaphroditus And uh, he's saying, hey, I'm Timothy, I know him, I'm gonna be sending him pretty soon. And also Epaphroditus was gonna take this letter uh, back to the Philippian church. But as we look at this part of this text, we're told about Timothy. Now, if you don't know much about Timothy, uh, here's just a little bit of background information about him. And he, he's giving us some, some things about who Timothy is, and he tells us who he is. And you know, a good way to read the letters of Paul is when you're, when you're going through the Bible, and especially you're going through some of these, uh, these letters, such as Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and all those things, you should really use the book of Acts along with it. Because as you're reading, the book of Acts is going to give you the history of where Paul's traveling. And as you're reading through the book of Acts, or you're reading through some of these uh, uh, these epistles, you can make just some little notes in your Bible and start connecting. Okay, over here in Acts it talks about Timothy, and over here in Philippians it talks about Timothy, and you can start putting the things together so you kind of get the big picture of uh, what's happening. And uh, we we first learn about Timothy, in fact, in uh, Acts chapter sixteen, uh, verses uh, one through three, and we find. Uh, when Paul came to Philippi for the first time this was Timothy's first missionary journey and we learn about that through the book of Acts so yeah Timothy knows about the uh, the church at Philippi because that's kind of like his first thing that he did how many of you remember your first job right it's kind of like burned in your memory right you could probably remember the person you worked for you could probably remember probably even the smell of the things around the environment well, Timothy knew about the the church at Philippi. This was part of his first uh, missionary journey uh, there with Paul. And so Timothy would visit the Philippians on several occasions. We read about it in Acts chapter 18, verse number 5. We read about it in Acts chapter 19, verse 22. We also read about it in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. So he knew this church very well. Uh, in the letter to the Philippians, it was, it was really hand-delivered uh, to the Philippians by Epaphroditus. And in this letter, we see in this part of the text that Paul announces his intention now to send Timothy back to them. Look what he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. They knew who he was. They weren't like, who? Who's this Timothy guy? They knew who he was. And I'm sure that they were pretty excited to hear that Timothy was going to be coming back there. And, you know, when we think about where Paul was, because look what he says here in verses 23 and 24. He says, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Remember, he's under house arrest and he's going, hey, I'm really hoping that I'm going to be getting out of here and I'm going to find out how it's going to go with me. And he says, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So he had every intention, every hope that uh, he was going to be released. And he was going to be able to go uh, visit uh, with the uh, Philippian church as well. And so he wants to send, to visit them again. But uh, right now he's chained to his work, literally. And uh, he's there and he's... Uh, Writing and he's trying to help this church. And also, I'm sure he was also witnessing to those uh, Roman uh, soldiers as well. So I love this. Uh, He can't go, but we cannot overlook at what he says here because look what he says. He says, for I have no one like him, verse 20. I have no one like him. Paul was under this house arrest and Timothy was there beside him ministering to his needs. He says, I have no one like him. Have you ever had anybody in your life that was just kind of like, man, I have nobody like this. Hopefully uh, for you husbands, it's your wife, right? Wives, hopefully it's your husbands. But people that come into our lives and we just say, I have nobody like this. I mean, this person is helping me. They're, they're, They're helping me through the difficult times. They're helping me. They're encouraging me. And uh, that's what Paul thought about Timothy. He says, I have no one like him. And so without knowing what is going to happen here, Paul is very eager to get a firsthand report, basically, of the Philippian church. And he says, I'm going to be sending Timothy because he says, I want to be cheered. Look what he says, verse 19. I want to be cheered by the news of you. I want to find out what's happening, what's going on, how the Lord's been at work. And I'm going to send Timothy because... I wanna hear what's been happening. And uh, I wanna know the news here, how you've been growing in the gospel, what's been going on. That's why I'm sending Timothy here to you to hear about your spiritual growth. And this really ties into this idea of Timothy's concern for others. Timothy was concerned about the Philippians' spiritual growth as well. And uh, take a look here at uh, verses uh, 20 and 22. Note Paul's words here and the tribute to the character of Timothy. Look what he says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How's a son with a father? He has served with me in the gospel. And so Paul here gives Timothy the highest possible recommendation. You know, these Philippians knew Timothy. Why was it necessary for Paul to commend Timothy so highly to them? Well, I believe there are several reasons for his commendation. But most importantly is that that Timothy was a servant and he showed his servanthood by having a concern for others. So let's unpack these verses here about Timothy's servanthood and learn a few things that we too should take away from this and how we as believers in Christ should be modeling the same idea, the same attitude. Because where did Timothy learn it from? He learned it from Paul. Where did Paul learn it from? He learned it from Christ. And so there's a model, there's an attitude that as believers in Christ that we should be having in our own life as well. You know, it's interesting that Paul does not speak to us about Timothy's uh, achievements. He doesn't talk about, well, you know, Timothy, he's planted all these churches. He doesn't say, well, you know, Timothy, he's preached uh, so many sermons. He doesn't say, well, Timothy's baptized so many people. What does he tell him about? He tells him about his concern and welfare for people, that he's willing to serve others and so, we see this about uh, about uh, Timothy here, and you know Paul commends Timothy to the Philippians as a man that should be listened to because of his character. So, what do we see about his character? Well, first of all, Timothy is a man who is a servant. Look again what he says here in verses uh, twenty through twenty-one: "For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest." not those of Jesus Christ. So Timothy was the only man that Paul had uh, that knew that he had the same care and concern for the Philippians as Paul did. And he says, I know that if I send Timothy to you, he's gonna do a bang up job because he cares for people. He's a servant of people. He wants to help people. And so Paul says, I'm gonna do this. And that's why Paul says here in verses uh, 20, Notice the word here, concerned. He says he's concerned for you. That word concern really has two meanings. Uh, We'll see it again used later on in uh, Philippians chapter 4, 6, where Paul says, do not be anxious or do not be concerned about anything. Um, And that's the idea of having that anxiety, um, in fact, in the New Testament, uh, Matthew six twenty-eight and uh, verse thirty-one, Jesus warns the disciples not to have anxiety or concern about all the things. And that's one meaning of it. But the second meaning of that word has this really less intense meaning, and that's the word that Paul is using here, and it means uh, having the concern or the welfare of others being concerned about them, not being anxious and worrisome, but the idea that you really care about people enough that you want to help them. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, we we see the same word that was used by Paul. He says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care, same concern for one another. And so that we care about one another. That's the idea that Paul is saying here. He says he has a concern for you. There's a care for you. And he wants to help you and see you grow in Christ. And so that's the idea that he's talking about here, a care uh, for them. So how was Timothy able to live this way? I mean, to have a care and a concern for others. You know, it makes me wonder how someone could be so concerned for the spiritual welfare of others. I mean, think about it. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, when we leave here, when we leave this Assembly, the group of believers here, are we really concerned about the welfare, spiritual welfare of others? When we go home, we get in our cars, we get back into our day to day operations of stuff. Are we concerned and caring about what people are doing in their spiritual lives? That's what Timothy was. That's the care and concern that he had for others. How did he get that way? Well, look at verse 21. He says, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. And so Timothy had care and concern because he wasn't seeking after his own interest. He was primarily seeking after Christ. And can I tell you that when you get to the point in your life, when your care is only seeking after Christ, wanting to be with Christ, dwelling with Christ, living for Christ, your care and concern will be for others. Because your eyes are no longer on the things of this world, but it's on the eyes of Christ, seeking those heavenly things. And so Timothy here had a care and a concern for others. You know, a servant's heart is centered on the things of Jesus Christ, Because if you have any other motive or reason for Christian service, you will eventually burn out or bomb out because it's not centered on Christ. You'll get angry, you'll be hurt because of the way people treat you. You'll be frustrated, you'll grow weary of the hardships you have to endure. You'll quit in disgust or disappointment because if you're serving for any other reason, in love for the Lord Jesus who gave himself for your sins, then you'll have the wrong motive. You'll have the wrong perception of things. But this is Timothy. This was his care and concern for others because he sought the interest of Christ and not on other things. You know, Timothy's interest was that of Jesus Christ. A servant's heart must be constantly captivated With Christ. And Timothy had given up his own interest to become this uh, a servant of Christ. In fact, to the Ephesian elders, Paul said this of his own ministry. He said this in Acts 20, 24. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I don't consider my life to be that important. He says, I'm going to follow Christ so that I can, in turn, serve others. Have you ever told the Lord, I'll give up everything, my desires, my ambitions, my comforts, my time, my money to serve you? This is the way Timothy lived his life. He sought Christ so that a way he could serve others. Here's the second thing that we learn about Timothy's concern for others. But Timothy was a man who suffered for the gospel and others. Look at verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Now, you might be saying, where does it say that he suffered? Well, it says that he served. If there's one thing that you have to know about Paul, is Paul, because he served Christ, he suffered for Christ. And that's so true. When you decide and we decide that we're going to serve Christ, we're not going to hold anything back, but we're going to serve Christ, you will encounter persecution and suffering. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He says, the world hates you because they hate me. So don't be surprised by that. And so Timothy was right along there with Paul. I mean, here he is, first missionary journey, right? Um, I... (laughs) I love uh, this saying, um, John MacArthur said this one time. He said, when when Paul would go into a town, he wouldn't ever ask, how are the motel rooms? He'd ask, how are the prisons? How are the jails? Because he knew he was going to be spending a lot of time there, okay? So you got to think about this. So here is Paul, here's Timothy. They're serving together. Timothy's right alongside there. I mean, he saw the things. He suffered with them. Because he suffered there and was serving for the gospel and others. And so he says, you know his proof with Paul. He says, because over a period of several years during which he served and suffered with Paul, he says he has proven himself to be a, a minister of the gospel um, and so here's a man who could be counted on when the tough really uh, comes into play. I mean, when uh, when the going gets tough, Timothy was a man who learned how to suffer for Christ, and he says, "You know his proven worth for that." And uh, you know, serving Christ is not easy. Notice what Paul says here about Timothy. He says he has served with me in the gospel, not just served with me. But he says, served with me in the gospel. What's the difference? Why not just say, well, he served with me. But he says specifically, he has served with me in the gospel. Remember all those things that Paul endured for the furtherance of the gospel? And it was Timothy that was right there alongside of him. And he says, he has served with me. Um, and so he's not a flake. He's a battle-hardened soldier. He's been hardened and he's, he's there and he will serve faithfully. And he says, you know his proven worth. And he says, I'm gonna be sending him uh, to you. And so he says, you can count on Timothy. And again, where did Timothy learn all of this? He learned it from the example of Christ that he would not seek his own interest, but the interest of Jesus Christ. Did you know that when we serve others for the sake of the gospel, it really is hard work? Um, In fact, in uh, 2 Corinthians, let's turn over there real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verses uh, 23. Look at verse number 29. Here's what Paul went through here Uh, for serving others for the gospel. Look what he says. Are they servants of Christ? Verse 23, 2 Corinthians 11. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. 5 times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one 3 times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned 3 times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I was adrift at sea frequent journeys and danger from rivers dangers from robbers danger from my own people danger from gentiles danger in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights and hunger and thirst often without food and cold and exposure and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And so Paul says, hey, look, uh, there has been some hardship in serving Christ. He says, I've, I've experienced that. Timothy's experienced that. And he says, you know his proven worth. He has a concern for you. He's not gonna throw in the towel when things get difficult and things get hard. And so we must be prepared for serving the Lord in hardships. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Um, this is one of those things that is, as believers in Christ that, uh, that will bring about a testing uh, hardships and hardships in serving the Lord in the gospel. And so we are approved of testing. Are you going through some difficulties right now and suffering right now? And you know, I want you to know that any of those sufferings, any of those difficulties that we go through, those will be used to help you become a better servant of Jesus Christ because that's the way it was for Paul and Timothy. And so in all of this, Timothy was a rejoicing servant as by being sent to the Philippians, he was gonna be able to serve them because he served Christ. And he says, I can rejoice because, hey, I'm, I'm a servant of Christ and I have proven worth and I've been there and I know what it is. And he's going to do it joyfully uh, because he knew what joy it would bring Paul in hearing about their growth in the Lord. That's why he says, Paul says, that I may be cheered by news of you. I mean, can you imagine? Here's Timothy going back to the Philippian church, embracing them, telling them of Paul and saying, yeah, Paul's in prison still. And You know, he's so excited to hear about how you guys have been growing in the Lord and the difficulties that you've been uh, going through. Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. He's been providing. I mean, what great joy in all of that. And that's the kind of life that Timothy had. And so we can learn some things from Timothy about all of this, about having concern of others by being by serving Jesus Christ and looking towards Christ and having Christ to be our model of of servanthood. So let's look here now at Epaphroditus, this example of a messenger and a minister. So now we have this great example of this other joyful servant here, and that is Epaphroditus. Now, we don't really have much information on Epaphroditus of only what we see here in the book of Philippians, okay? But Remember, it was Epaphroditus that that brought this financial gift to Paul while he was there under house arrest. Now, I want you to see some things here about what Paul says about him. He's going to use five words to describe who Epaphroditus is, okay? And uh, see if you can point them out, pick them out here as I read through uh, this passage here. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, And fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Did you see them there? All five of them. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger, and my minister. So let's look at these words to really get a sense of who Epaphroditus is. First, Paul says, He's my brother. And so this tells us about the relationship that Paul had with Epaphroditus. He was his brother in the Lord. Paul considered him a brother in the Lord. He says, he's my brother. And by the way, if you know Christ, um, those of us that know Christ in here, that name the name of Christ, uh, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, We have the the same common family bonds Uh, One of the things that I've really been trying to strive to start doing is uh, when I'm praying for somebody, praying with that person, to use the phrase, I pray for my brother or I pray for my sister, and I tell you, it really changes your your perception on that person of who they are Um, because they're not just some person that's over there and distant, but we're family. We care, we're supposed to have care and concern. And so Paul says, he's my brother uh, with that. Notice the second thing, he says, fellow worker. Um, He says, my brother, my fellow worker. This word occurs 13 times in the New Testament. And Paul is the only one who uses this word, except for John who used it uh, once. And it refers to Epaphroditus' commitment to the furtherance of the gospel. And he says, he's my fellow worker. He has the same mind of of ministry that whatever comes into our lives, we're gonna use it for the advancement of the gospel. And he says, we're on the same page here. He's my fellow worker. Uh, Then we see this word, fellow soldier. This word carries the idea of one who has fought the battles and endured the hardship that comes from the preaching of the gospel and ministering to others. He says, "He's, he's my fellow soldier, Then we come here uh, to these last two words, And, and those three words, brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, really relate to the relationship that Paul has. But these last two words here, okay, messenger and minister, is really going to describe the relationship that Epaphroditus has with this church at Philippi. Okay, and look what he says. He says, your messenger, First of all, he was saying, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but now he says, your messenger and minister. So first of all, he was their messenger. The Philippians had chosen Epaphroditus to be the one to send the financial, to take that financial gift to Paul. So Epaphroditus comes to Paul, he brings him this financial gift, okay? And in this letter, Paul refers to him as being a messenger. And that word messenger is a really interesting word. It means apostle. But the way that Paul was using it here was not in the sense of one who holds the office of apostle, but one who is being sent as a messenger. And so Epaphroditus here did not hold that actual office of apostle, but he was just one who was being sent. And we see that because of the context here, especially here in verse 25, because he was a minister of his need. And so Epaphroditus was simply sent to help Paul. You know, I think about that. Whom has God sent into our lives to be a minister of our need? I mean, what was Paul's need at this time? There was some financial need, right? Here comes Epaphroditus and he's being sent to be a minister to his need. So whom has God sent in our lives to be a minister of our needs? You know, I believe that when we pray and we're we're seeking God for things, things not, I mean, not materialistic things, but things that are needs in our lives, I believe that God sends people into our lives to help us and to minister to our needs. On the flip side of that, are you being sent into other people's lives to minister to their needs? Are we sensitive enough to know what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, being open enough by the leading of the Holy Spirit to be sent into other people's lives to minister to their needs. That was Epaphroditus. And Paul says he is a messenger for that. Secondly, look at this. Epaphroditus was also a minister. Paul says he was a minister of his needs. The word minister means one who is a public servant, one who functions in the temple or the gospel or a worshiper of God. And really, the ties here to the Old Testament priestly background is, is, is just fascinating because that's the idea here. Paul is saying he's a minister. And Epaphroditus uh, was serving as the Philippians minister, performing a service on behalf of the Philippian church to Paul. And he's saying he's a minister. He's one who's, who's serving in that capacity, uh, this word minister is used five times in the New Testament. Romans 13, 6, Romans 15, 16, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, and also Hebrews 1, 1, and also Hebrews 8, 2. And in each of those, it's used in connection with performing some priestly sort of act. And so that was Epaphroditus. He was one who, who did this. He was a messenger and a minister. Again, I think of, am I being used as a minister for others? You know, ministers are not just pastors, theologians, missionaries, some church worker. Did you know that all of us are called to be serving in some capacity as a minister? We could help the needs of others. That's why the body of Christ is so fascinating because we minister to each other. And we perform these these type of acts towards one another and we help them grow in Christ. Again, are we being sensitive to the needs of others and being able to fulfill that by ministering to them? I really want you to see the heart of Epaphroditus and why he can minister in this way. Look at verse number 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So it says that he has been longing for them. And this word, distress, expresses a a deep desire. It's the same word that Paul used in uh, Philippians uh, 1.8 to refer to his deep affection for the Philippians. And so he's genuinely loved each and every one of them. This is Epaphroditus. This is how he could minister to their needs because he was longing for them. He had a deep desire for them. Uh, Paul actually uses this word also to express his deep desire to visit the Roman church in Romans 1, 8, and also 1 Thessalonians 3 and 6. So Epaphroditus had been longing to see the Philippians, and notice what this did. Look what it says. It says, he was distressed. This word distress carries a lot of weight to it. Because of his longing desire to be with them, he was distressed. It's only used only two other times in the New Testament, both in reference to the internal, emotional and spiritual agony. Now get this, I love this. That Jesus suffered when faced with his arrest. When Jesus went to the garden, knowing what was going to be coming before him, that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to go through some mockery of a trial, that he was gonna be put upon a cross, knowing that he was gonna be forsaken by the Father and he was under deep distress. That's the same type of heart attitude that Epaphroditus had for these believers at Philippi. Because of his longing for them, he was internally, emotionally and spiritually in agony for them. Is that us? Do we have that type of heart attitude towards others? This leads to a great question. Why was Epaphroditus so agitated and distressed? Look at the text. What does it say? I love this. For he has been longing for you all, has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Wow. What love and care and brotherly kindness this church had towards each other. Because they heard that he was ill, Epaphroditus reciprocating that, and he was in agony because they heard that he was ill. Perhaps he had gotten sick during the voyage from Philippi to Rome. In any event, news somehow got back to Philippi and they heard that he had gotten ill and he was distressed because they were distressed. Look at verse 27, this is interesting. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Paul tells him Epaphroditus was ill. He almost died. But Paul says, God showed mercy to him and also mercy to me, lest there should be guilt added upon guilt there. And so Epaphroditus here and Paul, it's comforting to know that God did take care of them, that God helped them through all of this. And you know, when you think about that, that really tells us something about the heart of God, that it's filled with mercy and loving kindness and active pity, because is it not Christ who is also touched with our infirmities? He knows, and uh, so he did help both of them out. Look at verse number 28. I love this one. I am the more eager to send him. Wow, think about that. So that when you see him again, you can rejoice. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So Paul was eager to send Epaphroditus to the church so that they might know the sincerity of his service towards Paul. And this was the life of Epaphroditus. This is who he was as a joyful servant of Christ. Now let's wrap all this up here in verse 29, these last two verses, okay? Look what he says. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul commands the Philippians to welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord and to honor, literally have honor for these types of men who do not look for their own selfish desires but look towards Christ being willing to serve others. Look at verse number 30 here. Paul tells them that you need to honor Epaphroditus. Why? Because he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life. You see it there? There's the heart behind it. Why did he do it? He was a servant that renounced his own wants and desires for the sake of others. He served with humility. He chose against himself for someone else because for he nearly died. Can you imagine being on the boat or however he got there to where Paul was, starting to get sick? Oh man, I better just turn around and get back home. No, he continued. He went back over there. And look, I like this. It says that he risked his life to do what they could not do. That word risk means to stake or to throw down a stake, literally to gamble. It's like one that's tossing the dice. He says he risked his life for him. What's also interesting, and I I thought this was neat, but this word uh, risk carries the idea of people who risk their lives to nurse those sick with the plague. That's the type of man Epaphroditus was. He would risk his life for others. You know, nothing should speak more clearly into our complacent, nonchalant attitudes in America today. Here's a man who almost gave his life for another brother. Epaphroditus was no coward, but he was a courageous person, willing to take enormous risks, ready to play with the very high stakes in order to come to the aid of a person in need. And I love this, look to complete, he risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. You know, we may soon come to find out what that means to risk our lives for the gospel and others. You know, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but if things continue in America the way that they are, we as believers in Christ may see our freedoms to gather to speak out openly about what the word of God says, be taken away. And then what are we going to do? If our pastors and elders get thrown into jail, who's going to take up the leadership of the church and continue to preach the gospel? If your mothers and fathers and children get taken away, who's going to take care of the rest of the family? Folks, this is what it's about as the body of Christ coming together and fulfilling the needs of others. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we may soon see that. So we better understand what this means to serve Christ, to be looking towards Christ, not looking towards our own things, but having Christ in view seeing what Christ did and take our example from him. That was the life of Epaphroditus. That was the life of Paul. These were joyful servants who served the body of Christ and others. And I pray that we would glean some things from this that would help us as believers in Christ to learn. Let's pray together.